That music comes from our pals at Divine Sweater. They have a new album called Divine Sweater Presents, The 10-Year Plan, and this is the Celtics Lab podcast. On today's episode, we bring in NCAA hoops expert Ben Kalapek to discuss March Madness and a few players that could end up on the Celtics next season. I am Cameron Tepitzbaya, your host for today, joined as always by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. Ben, welcome to Celtics Lab. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, excited to talk a little Celtics and a little draft prospects. Yeah, aren't we all? Uh, we are recording a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, so perhaps when you listen to this, some of our information about who's still in the tournament uh, will not be current, but we will do our best. Um, Alex, Justin, how are we? I'm doing all right. Uh, I've gotten more grading done than I expected to get today. So that's good. And uh, yeah, my girlfriend's coming over later. We're going to watch bad movies and order something. So I'm, I'm feeling good. Life is good. You hear that? Not particularly. I think no. it's just, I think it's just on your end. No, no, that's exactly it. I have no construction going on next door. Oh, all right. Congratulations. Happy. Uh, for folks who are new to the pod or bad, this is many weeks in the making. Justin's been renovating his pool or something. Ha. Uh, so uh, what we are going to do today is we are going to talk about potential draft targets, but that's going to be the lab portion of the pod. Uh, so before that, we'll break down our expectations for the rest of the season. And before any of that, uh, we have a few things that we ought to address closer to home. Um, last week on the pod, Justin and Alex talked to Mike Skoda of Hoops Hype to break down the trade deadline and what they expected out of Evan Fournier. And since then, we have seen Evan Fournier play a little bit of basketball. So on the heels of a very, almost annoyingly good outing against the Bucs, the Celtics played the Pelicans and summarily got destroyed. Evan Fournier made some history by playing 33 minutes, going 0 for 10 from the field and 0 for 5 from 3, the worst Celtics debut in a very storied franchise history. Um, what are our thoughts on that Bucks game specifically and uh, Monsieur Fournier, Alex? Well, I can't believe that, uh, you know, you would go into talking about the Celtics' new trade le- deadline additions without mentioning Celtics also played another game in between that Bucks game and uh, the uh, New Orleans Pelicans game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And uh, in that game, we saw a notable debut of... Celtic legend Luke Cornett, who is my favorite player on the team now. Um, He's hitting threes. He's being tall. He did a pretty decent job on Zion Williamson when he was in the game, which is not something that a lot of other players did. So I am actually thrilled about the Cornett acquisition. Fournier went 0 of 10 in the uh, game against the Pelicans. That was not great. Um, He definitely looked like he was forcing the issue a little bit with his shot. Uh, I noticed that his motion didn't look particularly clean and he didn't really seem like he knew where to be yet. And that's probably because he hasn't had a single practice with the Boston Celtics yet. And is just kind of going out there and trying to figure stuff out on the fly, which is not an easy thing for anybody to do. So I am actually willing to give Mr. Fournier the benefit of the doubt for his stinker of a game. The other night, I think that Celtics had a number of other issues that occurred in that game uh, that didn't relate as much to the players that they acquired at the trade deadline. But again, I am very pleased with the Luke Cornett acquisition and would love to see more of him going forward. I've been pretty happy with Luke Cornett so far. Um, I mean, 
he didn't do that great of a job against Zion, but then again, who does? I am actually not too upset about the Fournier experience either. Uh, I, I completely echo what you said. He looked fine on defense, got a couple of steals. I mean, most of his shots were just like a little bit off. You know, they weren't, they weren't terrible. He just looked out of sorts. I would probably be out of sorts too if I had just thought I had COVID-19 for the last, you know, however many days or maybe had COVID-19 and bounced all over God's creation trying to get to the team that I'm on now and all that fun stuff. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too down on the whole situation or even the loss um, to the Pelicans. I mean, if he goes, you know, zero for 10 and Marcus, Marcus Smart goes zero for six from three point range, it's going to be pretty hard to win a game. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, So I did neglect to bring up uh, Mr. Cornette, which I will uh, make amends by offering the following. He has the NCAA record three point record of any seven footer in the history of college hoops. And at Vanderbilt, which has been playing basketball for a while, he has the most blocks in that program's history. So, uh, Luke Cornett, sorry, <laughs> didn't, didn't register when I prepped for this pod. I wonder why. Uh, ben, any thoughts on uh, the state of the Celtics here in March? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the Fournier pickup, uh, despite the performance last night. Um, I think that, you know, he offers a little bit of playmaking and, and certainly some shot creation that they didn't have before. Um, and I think he can he can run a little bit of the offense when Tatum and Brown leave the game, um, which I think is something that the Celtics have been lacking for a while now. So, yeah, the debut was not great, but on the upside, nowhere to go but up from here. That's true. Statistically, that's very true. Uh, so before we start to look at the season uh, in, in its full capacity for the rest of the year and perhaps preview even the playoffs and then certainly under the draft, uh, I think it's worth – talking about two things one uh Romeo Langford might actually play basketball this week he is listed as questionable on injury report as of 6 p.m on Tuesday which is the best that we've seen in quite a long time for Romeo Langford uh and the Celtics played footsie with a few buyout candidates um which stands to reason they may play footsie with a few more um so we can talk about either of those things um so immediate reactions to the Romeo news and any potential buyout guys you want to shout out, Alex? Uh, I will start with the Romeo Langford news. There's an elaborate theory going in a group chat that I am now in. Uh, related, we, we started a March Madness group chat, bunch of Celtics Twitter people. And um, there's an elaborate theory going around that. I'm starting to believe more and more that uh, the entity known as Romeo Langford has actually been dead for more than a year. Uh, and they've replaced him with a body double. Uh, I think this relates directly back to when he was killed in the bubble in the famous Marcus Smart chair throwing incident. Uh, I think that Langford has been replaced. And part of the reason that the vibe for this team has been so bad this year has been because they've been covering up a murder. Um, that's, that's only being a little facetious. No, I think <laughs> Langford coming back uh, for this team is definitely going to be helpful in spurts, but I'm not sure that he's going to play a whole lot at the very beginning. Uh, Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge seem to indicate when discussing Romeo's return that he was going to need a little bit of ramp up time. Uh, And I think that the rotation after the trade deadline is already going to be incorporating a lot of new pieces. So I think you're going to see Langford really only in spot duty. Um, But it's nice to have him back on the floor at the very least. Um, Hopefully he has recovered from coronavirus. It seems like he really got rocked by that. So 
that is my hope for Langford is just that he can kind of get out on the floor and get some consistent playing time more than anything. Um, I'll save the buyout stuff for uh, a little bit later. Yeah, I definitely think that he has uh, recovered from about with COVID. They haven't, you know, because they're not doing this with anyone. No one has explicitly said that he has COVID, but Brad did mention that he was cleared to play by a cardiologist, which is, you know, not as far as I know, the normal procedure if you don't. If you haven't recently recovered from COVID-19. I'm not expecting too much either. I'm expecting, you know, three or four minutes here just to get started. You know, ease him in very slowly. See what he's got, you know, in terms of conditioning. I'm not going to push him too hard. Yeah, I mean, I think we're experiencing the same thing with Tatum. Whatever's going on with Thompson, it's just not something that you can just hop back in and be really effective. Uh, so all the best to Romeo Langford if or his body double, apparently. Um, any buyout guys that we have on our radar? So Andre Drummond perhaps was thinking about joining the Celtics as uh, maybe was the case with uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. So maybe the Celtics have eyes on a big, but uh, Justin is so excited. Uh, I had to mute him. He was so excited. He, he wanted that to happen so bad, I can tell. Um, and I know that Ben really wanted the Celtics to trade for Miles Turner, so I'm keeping him muted too. Uh, what do we think of the possibility of any bio guys coming to Boston? Um, I think there's a couple of names that you could look at. Um, so Otto Porter is an interesting one that I've heard batted around for a little bit. And I've actually kind of suggested that the Celtics should be looking at Otto Porter here. But the longer that this goes on, the more that I feel like Orlando is just kind of not going to buy him out and probably keep him on their roster uh, just kind of let him go into free agency. Uh, I think that, that probably makes sense for where they're at. Um, I don't think Otto Porter is at the point where he can affect their draft stock one way or the other. And that's really what Orlando is worried about more than anything. So I'm increasingly pessimistic that Otto Porter will even be available on the buyout market. Um, one name, and this could be, I think, very fun, depending on how it goes. We'll see. But one, one name to look at uh, is a former Celtics cult hero uh, that would fill the need for big depth for sure. Danny Ainge claimed that he wanted size and shooting at the trade deadline. And uh, nobody fits that description better than Kelly Olynyk, who I think is entirely possible could be bought out by the Houston Rockets. Uh, they are a team that is looking to get into the basement as quickly as possible. And Kelly Olynyk scored too many points for them the other night. He scored 22, which is not what the Houston Rockets want right now. They want people who are scoring less than 20 points. So if Kelly Olenek gets bought out, I think the Boston Celtics could be very interested in that. And I personally would love to see it. Cool. I can take that, Justin. I can't recall if it was Raphael Stone or Paul Silas talking, or the son Silas, anyway. Um, the coach or the GM of the Rockets. But it sounded like they actually thought they might hang on to both Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek. Um, I don't know how honest they are being about that. Um, I don't see what reason they would have to say that if they weren't at least thinking about it. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm kind of happy with what I'm seeing with Luke Cornett, who was I, the presumptive person who was going to be waived. I, I would really, I'm not so, so sure that it makes sense anymore. You know, I was for Kelly Olenek um, on the last pod, actually, but, now that I'm, I'm thinking about it, you know, there's a chance to bring Cornette back. Why would they want to bring on Kelly Olenek who they aren't going to be able to pay? So why would they bring Kelly Olenek on unless they think that they're really going to make it this year? You know, they're really going to contend. And I don't think that they are as much as I would love to say that they are. So I kind of like, 
if they did bring someone on, it might be someone they would bring on for multiple seasons. Someone like more like a Roddy McGruder type, I think, who could maybe stand in the corner and shoot threes and provide a little wing depth. And that's again assuming that you know they really don't believe in the guys that they kept at the deadline. But it seems to me at this point that they're going to go with the guys that they have and. It just doesn't really make any sense to do a buyout at this point. So I'm kind of leaning away from the whole buyout perspective. Justin, I do ultimately think that that's probably where the Celtics are going to end up. And, you know, I think Kelly Olenek would be nice kind of for me more as a just like, oh, this is fun. Kelly Olenek is back on the team kind of guy. But if it ultimately comes at the cost of waving a guy like Luke Cornette, I think that's probably the right call to keep Cornette. And, uh, you know, he's played well enough that I think he's, earn the right to be on this team for at least this year going forward. Uh, ben, any thoughts on the buyout market? I know that adding McGruber would be really interesting to you specifically. Yeah. Uh, I agree with what Justin said that, uh, you know, as a, as a guy who can shoot the threes and uh, play a little bit of defense, I think that McGruber could be an interesting pickup for them um, ultimately at the expense of the younger guys, which, you know, we've seen that some of them are maybe not so uh, ready for the NBA. I think Avery Bradley could be an interesting one as well, just to provide a little bit of depth at the guard position um, should Kemba get injured again, as he's wont to do. Um, we know that Smart has had some injury uh, bad luck this season. So just providing a little bit more guard depth, I think, with with Bradley, someone who can shoot a little bit, play some defense, I think that could be an interesting pickup for them. But ultimately, I think that they're they're you know they're pretty set with their team right now. I don't think they need to hit the buyout market too hard. Didn't take the bait on the McGruber joke, huh? Um, I I thought it was great. I'm sure Jam Packer did too. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. We'll, I guess, in the next few moments decide ultimately what the fate of these Celtics are. If it's looking bleak, bring on Isaiah Thomas. Carson Edwards is not doing anything. He's not encouraging fans to pay $150 to sit in the cheap seats in masks. So maybe Isaiah Thomas can help um, gate sales a little bit. I also... I did. I don't know that Boston is a buyout destination, um, not since PJ Brown and Sam Cassell, but Austin Rivers is just like such a heel and such a, a thorn in the NBA. And I really can't wait to see him play playoff basketball because that dude lays it out so hard. So uh, it's not going to happen. I, and, it, and all Intel says that he would go to Milwaukee if um, he is able to join a team, but I do really respect Austin Rivers for just like such a fascinating career arc um, as the coach's son quite literally to kind of one of the toughest dudes in the league. Um, so whether or not the team uh, does execute a buyout, let's um, let's just kind of get our bearings for where we're at. We'll make a few, uh, maybe not predictions, but just kind of like offer our expectations for what is to come for the rest of the regular season. And then we'll jump into the lab and do some work with the draft. So there are 25 more games on Celtics schedule that need to be played between now and the middle of May. I think May 16th is their last game. That is a ton of basketball. Uh, at present, the Celtics are one game under 500. That puts them uh, one game back from the four seed in the East hosting um, an opening round of the playoffs and three games ahead of the 10th seed in the East at the time of this recording. Uh, so with all of that said, Oh, gentlemen, what do we think is to come for the next few weeks of regular season Boston Celtics basketball? What's our uh, kind of our mood? What are our expectations? What are we looking forward to, if at all, Alex? Well, 
it's interesting because on the one hand, I think in all three of the games that we have kind of played recently, the Bucks game, Thunder game, and uh, even the Pelicans game, there have been some things that uh, have struck me as positive developments for this team. Robert Williams looks comfortable in his starting role. And I think that that is going to be a thing that will really help energize this team going forward. Jason Tatum has been on an absolute tear. Uh, and I think that he, he looks much better now than he did even sh- kind of shortly after he came back from coronavirus, which exact suggests to me that Tatum is feeling a little bit healthier and is kind of capable of putting in more of those just like every night, 20 plus points, multiple assists, multiple rebounds kind of games. And if that's the case, the Celtics should be very optimistic going forward. Additionally, when he's played, Kemba Walker has looked pretty strong. Uh, I think he's been getting to the rim a little better. He's been shooting a little better and he's looked pesky on defense. So all of those are causes for optimism, as well as the fact that the Celtics schedule for these next 25 games is relatively easy compared to their previous slate. Now, because of the way that the schedule is built this year, they are still going to have a lot of back-to-backs. They are still going to have a lot of short rest games. So that will compound. And the parity in the league generally is much higher this year. So the teams that we think are kind of walkovers might be a little bit friskier than we expect. That being said, there's definitely still some kind of positive developments occurring, uh, especially if Cornette and Fournier start to get a little bit more involved in, in rhythm. That being said, there are still some worrying trends that the Celtics will need to consider as well. Um, Jalen Brown has been a rock for the Celtics this year. He's done everything that he, they've needed him to do when he's on the floor. The problem is that he's not on the floor as much as he was at the beginning of the season. He has been dealing with knee tendonitis for a little bit. Last night, he was out with a hip injury. It seems like injuries are starting to stack up for Jalen in a troubling way. And if Jalen Brown is out for an extended period of time, that really puts a ceiling on what this team is capable of. He's been absolutely critical to what little success they have had this year. Uh, And perhaps most worryingly, Marcus Smart does not look right. Um, He has been taking some really bad shots. He's been making incredibly poor decisions with the basketball. And perhaps most worryingly, defensively, he really doesn't look like he's up to his usual speed. Um, I think that it's quite possible that he came back a little bit too early from his calf injury and doesn't trust his leg quite as much as he should maybe or is capable of. Uh, And if Marcus Smart is playing in a limited capacity, even though his heart and his fire is necessary for this team's success, uh, a a limited Marcus Smart is a really challenging player to have on the team for extended minutes. So it's going to be interesting to see what those guys are like physically coming uh, towards the end of the season. That being said, with all of that stacking up, I would say I am slightly more optimistic about where the Celtics are headed than I was prior to the trade deadline. I think Fournier is going to play a little bit better and give Jalen some rest, which he desperately needs, and allow him to come back a little bit fresher. Um, I think Kemba and Jason both playing better has certainly uh, kind of raised the ceiling and the relative ease of schedule leaves me optimistic that at the very least, the Celtics will be able to pull themselves out of the play-in tournament 
I don't think that they are necessarily going to be able to get a top four seed. It just seems to me that there's not really enough games left, barring a major injury. But if they can get out of the play-in tournament, I think that will be considered a success going forward for the rest of the season. Yeah, Alex, I think uh, you're absolutely right that Fournier and I guess uh, Cornet really kind of helped the Celtics uh, by bolstering their depth because it's just going to be such a sprint and such a slog. I mean, every team is going to be up against it, and to your point. I mean, they have a, a relatively easier schedule, but uh, as Brad Stevens' teams often are, it's just it's so Jekyll and Hyde with these Celtics. They can look like a team that has been to the conference finals three of the past four years on one night, and then the next night, they can just look like uh, dog doo-doo. So um, my expectations are limited. I just, I've said this before. I don't know how they pull themselves out of this 500 basketball rut with all these back-to-backs, with having to manage COVID, with having to manage injuries. So I think uh, just get to the postseason. as far as I'm concerned. It would be really nice to uh, host a basketball game. I mean, a playoff series rather. Um, but quite frankly, I think that if the Celtics... Uh, play the Sixers in the first round. Cool. They'll win that. And then the Bucks defeat the Nets. Sure. Why not? And then we go from there. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, another trip to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Dr. Quinn, how are you feeling about the, the rest of the regular season? I feel both pessimistic and optimistic. Uh, I kind of feel that you guys are right, that we aren't looking at much better than 500. I, I have a prediction of about three games over 500 by the end of the season that, that I feel is kind of optimistic, which is kind of why I also feel pessimistic. I think a six seed is about what we're looking at, maybe a second round exit if we're lucky. I think the goals for the team this season should be to develop the young guys, and we have a problem that Brad Stevens is the coach, uh, but he he may need to just to get the the players healthy, particularly in the the second half of what's left of the season. I I, I do see um, the veteran players resting a lot more, and I think that they just really need to focus on getting to the playoffs as healthy as possible with the key players as healthy as possible. So they're going to have to lean on the young guys at some point to do that. Um, the question is, is Brad going to trust them enough to do it early enough where it really gives them time to get healthy? My biggest worry, though, is not something that anybody has really mentioned because we don't know what's going on with Smart. There is definitely something going on with Marcus Smart. And there seems to be something going on in general, and I can't figure out what it is. I don't think anyone really knows what it is. But my concern is that these moves that they've made at the deadline and whatever you know, kind of feel-good momentum that we have, it's already kind of starting to slow down a little bit and that it might just dry up and it might get worse. And I don't want to think about the longer-term implications of what that is, but, I mean, we might be looking at something that we – I'm not even going to say it. Fill in the blanks. Just Let's just hope that things get better. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, the play was great. Uh, Ben, we brought you on to talk about college hoops, but uh, any thoughts on how the Celtics might close out the regular season? Yeah, I, I agree with what's been said, that there's some reason for optimism, but also some so definitely some reasons for concern. Um, I think that, you know, it's realistic that they get out of the play-in game uh, seeding and could potentially get maybe to the fourth seed to host a playoff series. But I think realistically, we're looking at a team that maybe can win a first-round series um, but with the East loaded up the way that it is this year, I just don't see them making it out of the second round um, with the team as it, as it currently is constituted. I think Kemba is too much of a defensive liability in the playoffs. And 
um, with, with Jason and Jalen, uh, you know, I don't know that either of them is necessarily enough of an alpha to carry a team in the way that you need to get through this year's East. So it would be great if they could go on a little run and everybody could put it together for a couple of weeks in the playoffs. But I think more realistically, a first or second round exit is probably what we're looking at this year. As far as I'm concerned, if we keep getting videos of Deuce Tatum talking and uh, we get to see the Miami heat zone, just thrash people in the playoffs, it'll be a good year. Uh, it sounds like we're kind of in consensus that the floor and the ceiling for the Celtics is pretty much set. Um, so there shouldn't be too many surprises over the next six weeks, although a lot of basketball will be played. Um, and as such, that's a perfect segue for us to jump into the lab and talk about uh, the 2021 NBA draft. Uh, the league announced, I believe yesterday, that the draft will be held on July 29th, meaning that we have just 120 days to get ready. Uh, Presumably, if our predictions are correct, the Celtics, who own their first round pick, they own their second round pick, and they own a top 55 protected second round pick from Memphis. Uh, assuming we are correct about our predictions, the Celtics will draft somewhere around 12 to 20, let's say. Uh, and that's why we brought Ben on. Ben is, um, has most recently been covering kind of the rookie scene uh, for the, these current NBA rookies. Um, and we brought him on because he knows a thing or two about college hoops. Um, so he's going to talk us through and Alex and Justin have opinions. My only opinion is probably they should pay the players. Uh, they're going to talk us through who the Celtics might want to pay. Uh, and Ben, I believe you have broken down these prospects into four categories. Yeah, that's right, Cam. So uh, I have four categories. Um that I, I put the players into uh, a little bit based on what I think that some of the potential draft needs or wants could be for the Celtics this year. And a little bit just players that I think could potentially fall to them in their draft range um, where we believe it'll end up this season. So my first category uh, starting it off is point, point guard question mark. Uh, these are players who project probably more as combo guards in the NBA, but um, could potentially have some point guard upside as we move forward and as they get into an NBA system and develop a little bit more. So starting off, we have Jaden Springer uh, as a freshman guard from Tennessee. Um, he is 18 years old and will be 18 through the draft. Um, so he's one of the younger players in the draft, even for a freshman. Um, he's on the younger side. He's 6'4", 205 pounds. So he's pretty solidly built. Um, averaged a decent 12 and a half points per game, uh, three assists a game. Did average two and a half turnovers a game, so not not great as a playmaker, but um, showed some upside with that. Um, he shot well from three, almost 44%, uh, shoots 81% from the line, so he definitely has some shooting upside as well. Uh, one of the things that I love about him, when he attacks the rim, he does it viciously. So even though he's not the most athletic or most explosive player, he goes after the rim with a real veracity that I feel like as he learns to pass a little bit more, he could uh, develop a little bit of a drive and kick game. Um, it could be a really, really uh, meaningful and, and uh, impactful point guard going forward. Um, I'm not a huge, uh, you know, comparing players to college players to NBA players, but I do like what the ringer draft guide does the shades of, um, and they have it down as shades of Kyle Lowry and Malcolm Brogdon. Um, I think that it's realistic that Springer could get to that level. Uh, he's a pretty good defender as well. Uh, both on ball and off ball. So um, could be an interesting fit for the Celtics. Um, the next one, Trey Mann, probably a little bit more of a combo guard, probably figures to be uh, a little bit more of a shooting guard um, at the NBA level, but 
Um, he did average three and a half assists per game this season, also averaged 16 points per game. Um, and I think the, the leadership with him is the thing that you're really getting that uh, potentially makes him more of an interesting point guard candidate. Played 44 minutes in the first round game in the NCAA tournament against Virginia Tech. Um, he had a huge step back three uh, with 20, 23 seconds left in overtime to push the lead to four and essentially seal the game for Florida. So um, he's, you know, he's going to continue to get better and, and uh, I think could be a really interesting play as we move forward in the draft. Yeah, Alex, what do you think about that? Well, I do like the idea of the Celtics drafting a guard. I think that is actually a really important thing for them to consider is their depth. Um, we don't know the status of what Kemba Walker is going to be for the Celtics uh, going forward into next year. Um, there's tons of speculation that he might be a trade candidate. Um, and the Celtics point guard depth right now is a little shaky. Peyton Pritchard is a promising young prospect but he's definitely a few years away from being the best version of himself and one of the things that has frustrated me about the Celtics offense this year is that Jalen Brown has been basically our only consistent rim attacker from game to game and it's clearly taking a huge toll on his body so I love the idea of the Celtics drafting a guard, preferably somebody who can play backup two or backup one, uh, just kind of switch around. Size would be great. Um, but in particular, somebody who can really attack the rim and provide options as a cutter and as somebody who can draw the defense in. The Celtics have been sorely lacking that uh, when Brown is off the court this year. I have a couple of questions um, about some more pure playmakers because I agree with everything that has been said, but playmaking in particular has been a really big problem. It's just a team full of finishers on the Celtics right now. And I'm wondering, there's a, there's a couple of guys, I haven't had a chance to get, you know, any kind of like in-depth look at them, but namely uh, Josh Giddy of Australia. Um, he's playing for Adelaide and I think uh, Sharif Cooper out of Auburn, both really, really high rate of assists in their game. Um, I was wondering if you had any you know, intel on them that we don't know. About. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Giddy is a really interesting prospect. Um, he's started to really move up draft boards, I would say, just in the last month or two. Um, he's really seen a pretty dramatic rise. He's 6'8". He's only about 205 pounds, but he has been putting on weight uh, so that potentially, uh, you know, bodes well for the future. He's an incredible playmaker, really great passing vision at six foot eight. You know, he can see over the defense and really seems to make some really, you know, really great passes. Um, he he uh, played on the Australian national team. He was the youngest to do so since Ben Simmons. And I think that we'll start to see as we get a little bit closer to the draft, some comparisons to Ben Simmons coming up. I don't think he's quite that good at passing uh, and he's definitely not built quite as much as Ben Simmons, but I think he is definitely an interesting passer. Um, his father played uh, in the NBL and the, the basketball league over in Australia for many years, has his number retired. Um, so it was a very high level player over there. Um, but yeah, I think that, that playmaking definitely is the, the skill that's going to push Giddy potentially into the first round. Um, and he's got some scoring upside as well. Um, and as far as Sharif Cooper, uh, he is a great scorer and, and a lot of passing vision and upside for him as well. He is just an absolute zero on defense. He's six foot one, 180 pounds. Uh, and if, if possible, he plays smaller than that. Uh, he just really gets toasted on defense and uh, offers nothing on that end. His turnover numbers were also incredibly high this season. 
4.2 turnovers a game, uh, had one game with zero, and other than that, did not have fewer than three in a game this season. So really needs to cut down on the turnovers. Uh, he was kind of the only player, the only show in town for Auburn, so he was doing a lot of the playmaking. Um, he's got incredible upside. In his first two games of the season, he averaged 27 points, 11 assists, and five rebounds. Um, and he came onto the scene really hot, looked, you know, a little bit Trey Youngish at the beginning, um, but cooled off quite a bit, shot 23% from three for the season. Um, so, you know, lightning quick, but ultimately, you know, I think the upside, if you can get a shot to go down consistently is Trey Young, uh, but he could end up like another Carson Edwards and, you know, the Celtics don't need that. New. Uh, so Ben, I want to jump into your next uh, tier or class of player, but I just have a quick question is that kid from australia he is yeah australia what's his name, what's his name again josh giddy josh giddy. Well, that's a great australian name um a few years yeah. ago uh kevin arnovitz wrote a piece on how australian rules football showed up in ben simmons game uh so knowing absolutely nothing about this kid giddy if he played australian rules football um that could really make him a really fascinating floor general um so that he's he's at the top of my big board which I thanks for asking. Uh, so uh, let's, uh, if you're ready, Ben, you have a, a second. You didn't want to call them classes. What did you want to call them? Uh, categories, tiers, you know, take your pick, but uh, just, you know, different ways of grouping some of these players that the Celtics might like to go after in the draft. Cool. So uh, not, a, not a power ranking necessarily. No, not necessarily. Just, just kind of grouping players in a way that made sense, I thought. Um, so next up, we'll go to the big guys. Um, we have two kind of opposite ends of the spectrum here with the big guys. So we'll start off with Kai Jones from Texas. He's a sophomore forward, 20 years old, didn't start playing basketball until he was 15. Uh, he was born in the Bahamas uh, and came over to the States prior to basketball. He wanted to be a professional long jumper. So that gives you some idea of his athleticism. He has, you know, can jump out of the gym and at six eleven, that's, that's pretty great. Um, so he's got a ton of upside as a rim runner. He's got some upside as a shooter as well. He thought he shot 38% from three on just over one attempt per game this season. So it's not a huge volume, but he's definitely, you know, it's a, it's a nice looking shot. So you could see the potential there for him to grow a little bit. Um, he's someone that has been all over draft boards. I've seen him as high as eight and as low as 35. Um, so he really could, you know, end up going anywhere in the draft. I think that he could be an interesting prospect for the Celtics as kind of a pick and pop and a rim runner. I think that he's still learning the game and, and could eventually develop into more of a rim protector. He only averaged 0.9 blocks per game at Texas this season. So that part of his game is definitely still developing, but I think just given his athleticism and his length, he could be a really interesting rim protector in the future. Cool. I mean, I, I, we've seen a couple of uh, NBA players pick up basketball at a late stage in their uh adolescence and become perennial all-stars uh, a la Joel Embiid and um, I don't know if Pascal Siakam's a perennial all-star maybe that was generous but um, that sounds pretty cool uh, all right keep it keep it coming who you got next all right next up we got uh, a little bit more of a traditional big Dayron Sharp a freshman forward from UNC uh, big body he's 6'11 265 really just thick in the middle there um, average 9.5 points per game and 7.5 rebounds per game uh, in just over 20 minutes a game this season. So, you know, you, you do that math out over 36 minutes and, you know, he's putting up good numbers, uh, really not much of a shooter, 50% from the free throw line. I think attempted two threes all season. So that's really not his game. He is going to play a lot more inside. He's got a great motor. 
Um, if you watch the UNC basketball team this year, it w- it happened so often that somebody would put up a shot, they would miss, and he would come down with the offensive rebound. 45% of his rebounds this season were on the offensive end, um, which I think is just, it really speaks to how much of a motor he has just going after the ball. Um, he's got average athleticism, doesn't offer a ton in the way of rim protection, but he does have some passing upside, had decent assist numbers at UNC. Um, he was also, interestingly, high school teammates with Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, and Moses Moody, who are all going to be lottery picks this year in what possibly could be the greatest high school basketball team of all yeah, time. Where the, what, bas- what high school was that? Uh, it's called Mount Verde Academy. I think it's in Florida. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of those prep schools. So people are going there specifically to play basketball. Yeah. But I think it does, you know, it offers some potential benefit. You know, he's been playing basketball at a really high level for a really long time. Um, so I think that he could be an interesting pickup. He's probably later first into the second round, uh, if I had to guess his draft spot. But, you know, could could potentially grow into someone who could be a, a big rim runner and, and certainly with that motor could develop some defensive upside um, could be an interesting player for the Celtics as well. In looking at sharp, uh, it kind of strikes me that his game seems like it's very similar to uh, Tristan Thompson in a lot of ways. And it makes me wonder if uh, drafting sharp would in essence be the Celtics shipping Tristan Thompson out and replacing him with, basically a younger version of Tristan Thompson. Which might not be a bad thing. I mean, that, that contract is not great. And especially, you know, if they could package him into a deal where they could get, you know, potentially an asset back, uh, I think that could be a really interesting option, but definitely. Yeah. His, his game is pretty similar to Tristan Thompson's. And I think that he could be a really interesting replacement uh, going forward for the future for them. And at least maybe the kid will be more COVID safe. Who knows? Uh, All right. uh, Ben. Keep it coming. This is super illuminating. As someone who doesn't watch college hoops, I feel like I've learned a lot so far. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, next up, we got upside wings, uh, which I think could be interesting for the Celtics, especially if Fournier does decide to leave in free agency. Um, First up, we got Keon Johnson. He is a freshman guard forward from Tennessee, six foot five, 185 pounds. Um, Not great counting stats this year, just over 11 points a game, uh, decent rebound and assist numbers, average about two and a half uh, turnovers per game, tends to over dribble, still doesn't have a great handle. Um, He's another player that's really still developing and still uh, learning to play basketball at a high level. He didn't play full time basketball until high school. Um, I think prior to that, he may have played football. Um, But the reason that he had that option to play another sport is because he is crazy athletic. He had a dunk against the University of Georgia in February that if you haven't seen it, you should definitely look it up because it was one of the dunks of the year in college basketball. And he shows flashes like that, you know, plays like that games like he had against Kentucky, where he put up 27 points had 23 against Auburn in another game, zero turnovers in either of that game. Um, He really flashes a lot of that potential upside with the scoring um, shows some decent vision, passing the ball, um, definitely has defensive upside as well, can move his feet well. And, and like we talked about, he's just super athletic. Um, so I think that he, he does potentially have some, uh, some upside there as a defender. Um, I, I don't know that he would be the best fit for the Celtics. I also don't know that he'll be there when they draft. I think that he probably is a top 10 to 12 pick. Um, and I don't know that the Celtics will fall in that category, but if he does fall to them and, and if Fournier is planning on leaving, he could potentially be a, a replacement for, for him. Or if Romeo Langford turns out to actually not be a real person. So that's perfect. Sorry about that. And next up we have uh, Greg Brown, um, another freshman. He played at Texas this season. Uh, Greg Brown is six foot nine, 
Um, again, super bouncy. Again, had a, a, one of the highlights of the year, one of the dunks of the year against Baylor. Um, but the immaturity, I think, is what you really see with Greg Brown and why he's tending to fall down a lot of the draft boards. Towards the end of the season, he really couldn't get on the court for Texas. In their last three games, he played 13, 6, and 6 minutes, respectively. Um, and those last three games were in the Big 12 and NCAA tournaments. So, you know, I think that uh, he's another one that you see the upside. Um, he had 24 and 14 in just 26 minutes against Oklahoma State in December. Um, against K-State, he hit four out of five threes in 24 minutes. Um, and 12 and 14 against West Virginia in January in a game where he was really dominant against a really good West Virginia team and front line. Um, I think that ultimately his role in the NBA will probably be as a stretch four if he can develop his shot. Um, but with that bounciness, he could potentially be a small rim running center um, if he can protect the rim a little bit more on defense and, uh, you know, hopefully step away from the basket at least a little bit to hit some mid range, if not stepping out to three. Um, again, maybe not around for the Celtics. He could go a lot higher earlier in the season. He was as high as six on some scouts draft boards. Um, he's definitely fallen down now, uh, in some boards out of the lottery. So, you know, could be a potential pickup for them, but also may not be around by the time they're drafting. Someone remind me, Rob Williams dropped his draft stock because of immaturity or because of injury? Injury, hip concern. Okay. So not, not the same, but um, I mean, maybe that's the appeal of Brad Stevens. He knows how to coach up college kids. I don't know if he knows how to coach up pros, but uh, <laughs> that's a different conversation. I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, uh, Ben, uh, that concludes your wing class. Or you have a bonus wing. That does. Um, and we're going to move on to the, the next category, which is the Baylor guards. Um, so there are two oh, cool. we're going to talk about. Um, the first one, Davion Mitchell, I think is the more interesting prospect. He's a junior guard from Baylor. Um, six foot two, 205, you know, built pretty, pretty solidly. He is 22 years old, so a little bit older coming into the draft. Um, but I still, still think he has uh, quite a bit of upside. He's really going to hang his hat on defense. Um, for anybody who's been watching the NCAA tournament, they talk about it almost every game. His nickname is off night. And that's because in theory, whoever he's guarding has an off night. Um, and when you watch him, he really just is up in their Jersey on ball, tenacious on defense. Um, really, I think projects as a high level defender at the next level, someone who can shut down point guards and, um, really do a great job on the defensive end. He also shot incredibly well from three this year. He shot 45%. Um, that was up from 32% his previous year and he doesn't shoot great from the line. He's a career 67% free throw shooter. So it remains to be seen if the shot is going to translate, but I think if it does, you could be looking at a player, uh, something like Pat Beverly with the three point shot, um, which could be a really good pickup for the Celtics. You think about pairing him and smart in the backcourt for some minutes and just totally locking down the opponent's backcourt. Um, so I think that could be an interesting pickup. Interesting to me as well. He's gotten a lot of comps to Donovan Mitchell. Um, and I think honestly, that's just lazy because their first name start with D and their last name is Mitchell. Uh, he's around the same size, but he's way better on defense, uh, had a way better shot in college and is not as much of a scorer. So, you know, I, I think that he projects as a different kind of player from Donovan Mitchell, um, showed some passing upside as well. He averaged three or sorry, five and a half assists per game this season. Um, so I think that he could, he could develop as a point guard as well and, and definitely going to hang his hat on the defensive end. I mean, any comp to Pat Beverly makes me happy. And if he can actually connect on a few three as well, imagine that. 
looks like Peyton Pritchard might have uh, some competition. Uh, cool. Okay. You mentioned one Baylor guard. I hear there's another Baylor guard. There is. Yeah. So Jared Butler, um, another junior from Baylor. Uh, he's a little bit bigger. He's six foot three, uh, also a little bit younger, 20 years old. He's a more of a scorer, I would say. He averaged 16 and a half points per game this season, um, but he also did turn up the playmaking this year. There were questions coming into the season of whether he could be a true lead guard, and I think that he tried to answer those as best he could. Averaged nearly five assists a game, did average around three turnovers a game, so he definitely has to cut down on those. Um, but I think that he definitely answered some questions for some of the scouts on whether or not he could lead an offense, especially at the end of games. Baylor has four really talented guards, um, but at the end of games and the end of shot clock, they would really rely on Butler to be their, their lead playmaker and, uh, you know, initiate the offense there. Um, shot 40% from three, so it looks like he's, you know, pretty good there. He's also a really high-level defender. Um, De uh, Devion Mitchell was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, but Jared Butler was right there with him. Um, Jerry Butler, also a little bit more of an all-around player. He's a top 10 finalist for the Naismith Award um, and also a top five finalist for the Koozie Award for the top point guard in the nation. So, um, you know, I think you see a little bit more of an all-around game with him, uh, probably more of a point guard than, than Mitchell projects to be at the next level. Um, but I think that he could be someone that, again, comes in and challenges Peyton Pritchard for minutes uh, and provides the, that backup role that the Celtics have been looking for for so long. You said he was a finalist for the Koozie Award because uh, Pritchard won that award, right? I believe so, yeah. Um, and I don't think it's been named yet. I think it, it happens a little bit later uh, after the tournament. But um, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, but there are some, I mean, you know, really high-level players. And for him to be top 10 in the National Player of the Year conversation, um, he's since been cut. They're, they're down to Final Four now, and he didn't make that cut. But for him to be one of the top 10 players in the nation, I think that just tells you how high-level he can play at as a college player. Cool, very cool. Uh, all right. Any other players on your list? Any other names that we should be made aware of? Uh, ben or Alex or Justin, for that matter. Again, I'm excusing myself from pretending to have an opinion here. I've got a couple right. of people I have some interest in. Sure. So there's a couple of guards that stand out to me. I don't know much about them. Um, I know there's some concerns about the consistency of Ayo Dosunmu out of Illinois. Um, I was wondering if you had any information on him you could share with us. And also, we'll just start with the guards, um, Chris Duarte of Oregon. You heard anything about him? Yeah, so I'll start with Desumu. Um, He was probably the second best player in college basketball this year behind Luca Garza, who is almost certainly going to be the, the Naismith player of the year. Um, but Desumu averaged 20 points a game, uh, almost six and a half rebounds and almost five and a half assists. Um, so he is just a really high level player for a team that despite the fact that they got knocked out in the second round was one of the best teams in the country this year. He wasn't a lead ball handler for them, um, but similar to Butler where, uh, you know, ball handling duties were kind of shared at the end of shot clocks and the end of games, he was the one initiating the offense. He was the one making the plays on the offensive end. He's got a great pull-up game in the mid range um, attacks the rim. Well, he's not much of an athletic, you know, above the rim finisher, but certainly can get it done at the rim. Um, he also owns two out of the four triple doubles in Illinois history. Um, I know those stats are sometimes shallow, but if you watch those games back, he just was absolutely dominant. Um, and you can really tell that he's someone who belongs on the floor and I think belongs in the NBA game. He's a little bit older. He's 21. Um, but I think that he is someone who's experienced and potentially could come in and produce right away in the same kind of way that uh, Peyton Pritchard did. Um, for the Celtics this season. So he's definitely an interesting one. Uh, I think a little bit more of a combo guard or wing. Um, 
but, you know, with some playmaking upside, certainly, and, and could come in and handle some of that responsibility for the Celtics. As far as Duarte, um, I haven't gotten a chance to watch him as much, um, but he's another really interesting one, someone who's been rising on draft boards recently. Uh, and I think the reason that he was uh, kind of not on scouts radar until recently is he's 24 years old. Um, so he is, you know, quite old, even for a senior. But, uh, you know, he's got good size, six foot six. Uh, good steal and assist rates. So that, you know, tends to project well to the NBA shot a high percentage from three over 42%. Um, and definitely a leader on the team, a solid athlete. Um, and I think that he could be, you know, sort of a three and D maybe even three and D plus with a little bit of passing upside as well. Um, he, he could definitely be a really interesting player. I think he would be more in the mold of a Fournier should Fournier choose to leave. Um, I think he could, he could definitely fill that role for the Celtics. And again, as an older prospect, he could come in and potentially contribute right away. We've seen what Oregon players who are a little bit older can do. Alex, did you have anything? I, uh, I hear that Cade Cunningham guy is pretty decent. Maybe the Celtics. Even I know that Alex. <laughs> <laughs> if Celtics could trade for the number one pick, they should absolutely go up to get Cade Cunningham. He is a phenomenal prospect. Uh, I obviously not likely that they would get him, but if they could, I think that he is a potential franchise changing player for them or for any team who drafts him really. Any chance that James Booknight slides into Boston's range? I heard a little bit of rumbles that he might be reconsidering staying another year just because of the fact that some, some of the, shall we say less than stellar performances in the NCAA tournament uh, kind of put him a little bit further back in some boards. And yeah, I, I definitely think it's possible. Um, I honestly, I think that it would be good for him to go back to UConn for another year and develop his playmaking. He really is at this point, just a scorer and he's a good shooter. He's got a good mid range game. He attacks the rim. Well, but he really doesn't offer too much beyond that. He's got good size. He's about six foot five. So he, you know, could potentially play some defense at the next level. But I think really, if he can develop as a playmaker, he could go really high in the draft uh, in 2022. If he does stay in the draft this year, I certainly think it's possible that he falls. He has been really high on draft boards, but I think he's starting to slide, like you said, partially due to that uh below average performance, we'll say, in the NCAA tournament. It was a tough matchup. Maryland has a really good defense. But, um, yeah, I think I think towards the end of the season we saw um, coming back from injury, he just couldn't put it together quite as well as, as he previously had. So another year at UConn, I think that he could be, you know, potentially a lottery pick, uh, if not like a top 10 or top 5 pick in 2022. Then I think the only other questions I really have, and I won't make you go through each of them, but there are three bigs I'm looking for. If Boston really wanted to shore up its defensive chops in the front court, between Isaiah Jackson, uh, Namias Queta, I'm probably murdering his name, and Filip Petrashev, who would you take? That's a great question. If we're going strictly on defense, I would say Keita uh, from Utah State is probably the play. Great rim protector, three, almost three and a half blocks a game this season. Um, and he's got some upside in other regards to probably not a three point shooter, but could develop a bit of a mid range game. He's got a decent free throw percentage through college. Um, he was almost, you know, he's getting some first round budget buzz in the draft two years ago, had a bad combine performance and pulled out, um, and, uh, decided to come back now for two more years. Um, and he, he's really good in the post as well. He's got a little bit of a drop step game, you know, can kind of size some people up and he's developing into a better passer from the post. So I think that he could provide some really good upside, especially because he could potentially fall to the second round. Um, and I think that that could be a really good pickup in the second round for the Celtics, someone who could come in and give some meaningful minutes right away, especially as a rim protector. Awesome. Uh, 
Alex, I know you had uh, a name you wanted to shout out. Oh, no, I did not know that. Ap apologies. All right, uh, Ben, you get the last word here. Any other things that Celtics fans should be thinking about with a mere 120 days until the NBA draft? Uh, not soon enough. Um, I, I did just want to shout out uh, Petrusev, who Justin mentioned just a moment ago, um, played at Gonzaga for two years in college. Um, his, his last year, which was in 2019, 2020, he averaged 18 points and eight rebounds a game. He was the West Coast Conference Player of the Year, decided to leave Arizona, and rather than going to the NBA draft, signed a contract in Serbia. I believe he is a, a Serbian national. Um, and over in Serbia, uh, shot an unbelievable 41% from three. And I say that it's unbelievable because at Gonzaga the previous year, he shot 18%. Um, so granted, it's a small sample size. There's only about 20 games that he played in Serbia, but really raised his percentage. He shot 74% from the free throw line as well. And those two things tend to correlate. So, um, you know, he, he could be a really interesting one. I think that he's probably a second rounder as well, um, but he could be a really interesting one, not so much in the way of rim protection, but definitely on the offensive end could be someone that the Celtics could look at as a potential stretch five uh, and scorer and, and pretty good rebounder as well. I think even I could shoot 18%. I don't know about 41% among grown Serbian men. Uh, <clears throat> ben, thanks for coming on. Uh, if you have any questions about Ben's aptitude or credibility, he's wearing a Delonte West jersey right now. So he's a man of refined taste and he chose to come on this illustrious podcast. So clearly he knows uh, how to make good choices. Um, this illustrious podcast can be found wherever you found this episode of this illustrious podcast. Um, go ahead and give us five stars. Give us six if they let you. Um, and if there isn't, is, there was something you didn't like, go ahead and leave a comment. Um, we occasionally take feedback into consideration. Uh, through our friends at Design Tree and Off the Glass Basketball, we are selling t-shirts. Go ahead and pick up one of those while you listen to Divine Sweater's new album, which is called uh, Divine Sweater Presents The 10-Year Plan. Um, go read Dr. Quinn on Celtic Squire. Go listen to Alex play the bass. You can find me on Off the Glass and Celtics Hub. Ben, thanks for coming on. And everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for having me, guys.